This is Loopy Radio. I'm Loopy. We are almost done with May now. It is the 28th. The saga with my studio headphones continues. It used to be the right headphone never worked. Now the right one is the only one working. But because coronavirus restrictions are finally being lifted, I believe my repaired headphones from Los Angeles might be shipped. We don't know. The coronavirus, uh, there's some very good communication. There's also a lack of a lot of communication on other things. Because the headphones that I got repaired uh, that were dead on arrival when I bought them new were being repaired before coronavirus started. Right before they got shipped, that office shut down. Los Angeles forced them to shut down. No one could actually go to the building and reply to my email saying, where's my shipment? They weren't allowed to go. All I ever got was an automated response. But finally, things are starting to change. Uh, For example, Disney parks, they're going to try to start opening in the next, like, two weeks. Which will be kind of nice. And then doctors are also coming out uh, saying... This coronavirus crisis, the real part of the crisis might be due to our response to the coronavirus. But first is five, Bill Fisher with the news. News Talk Radio, loopy without banned substances. I'm loopy. So one of my things that always happens in my brain that can never get fixed uh, happened as I started the show. For some reason, I always think the month after May is July. No explanation for that. None. I'm still, I'm still the kind of person who whenever, like you say, you know, in... Where does March come in the year? You know, which month of the year is March? I always have to think through, like, all of the months. I, I, I don't just know, like, oh, that's the eighth month of the year. I know September is the ninth month of the year because that's my birthday. And I know December is the last, and I know January is the first. Other than that, I have to, like, piece together wherever the months are. For whatever reason, I always think July comes after May. It doesn't. That said, this is from Fox News. Uh, They announced this yesterday. Was that yesterday? Might have been. It says officials for Walt Disney World have announced that July 11th, not two weeks from now, like six weeks from now, July 11th is the tentative reopening date for select areas of Disney World. Now, I'm not covering this story just because I love Disney World. I, in particular, find amusement parks not very amusing. But it's a big step. The the bringing back of a place like Disney World is a very, very good sign that uh, we've hit a threshold. Now... 
This is a tentative opening date, July 11th. That's, that's subject to change, just like anything that uh, our government is throwing at us right now. Nothing is on a set date for reopening and when things are banned and when we can do things again. We never get a set date. But the fact that a place like Disney World is even saying they have a tentative opening date in six weeks from now is very positive. And that's that's six weeks. And in these six weeks, they now have the task of staffing. This article at the very end of it says Disney World itself is Central Florida's biggest employer with 77,000 workers. So in the next six weeks, they need to get their 77,000 employees uh, lined up. Or what? however many they're going to do with. So if, if they're coming up with, with a tentative opening date six weeks from now, that probably means that they could have opened earlier but just need to get their employees set up. And you know it costs a lot to do the the training, the cleaning, the opening up process for all the rides, the mechanical testing, because they've been sitting for a while. So it's going to cost them a good amount of money to reopen. They don't want to have to put all that effort in and then not reopen. So so a place where there are many people, many ways to get near people, many ways to transmit COVID-19. Uh, a place like this, where it's really easy to do that, uh, if they're thinking about opening up in six weeks, that is an excellent sign. I think it's pretty safe to assume that if Disney World opens in six weeks, then most everything we can do would probably also be open in six weeks. It's just a thought. But yeah, it's a Fox News article. It says, Disney World has been closed to the public since March 14th in response to the coronavirus uh, health crisis. In a statement shared with Fox News, Disney confirmed that executives presented plans for the phased reopening during a virtual meeting, obviously, with the Orange County Economic Recovery Task Force. Now, Disney hopes to reopen Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom on July 11th, followed by Epcot and Hollywood Studios on July 15th. My question is, would you even consider going if all that was open was the Magic Kingdom and the Animal Kingdom? Sounds to me like a two-day, maybe three-day trip, Max. Because f- f- I've been to Disney World once in my life, and I was very young. Uh, and I don't rem- I remember a good bit of it, but I don't remember too much of it. Uh, I remember like the live Indiana Jones thing. I don't believe that's in either of those places. I, again, I'm not a Disney expert. But from what I do remember, it's that they have so many parks, and especially if you don't live in Florida or Georgia, then you're going to drive a good ways to get down to Orlando. 
So you'd probably want to stay more than two days, you know, see more than two parks. So you know they have that in mind. But would you, if you were given the opportunity, would you travel to Orlando for just three days to go to just two of the parks? Now, part of me is saying we've been sitting on our butts for so long not being able to do anything. That actually might sound fantastic. But, again, it's a phased reopening, just like everything else. Nothing is straight-up opening. Uh, it's all phased in some sort of a way. So, you ha- it's pretty safe to assume, and I'll get to it in a second in the article when we come back, but if you're not a season pass holder, or if you didn't already buy tickets for a day that was canceled, you're not getting in for a while. This is Loopy Radio. I'm Loopy. So at just about the same time that Blowing Rock says that they are canceling all 4th of July activities, basically... Disney World comes out and says they will tentatively, at this point, open up their parks on July 11th, a week later. This, I think, really emphasizes how much we don't know about what is actually happening. It's like the weather. Tomorrow, yeah, we might have a good idea of what happens tomorrow, but, you know, a month from now, you know, could be whatever. So, Blowing Rock says no 4th of July celebrations for COVID-19 reasons on the 4th of July, a month and a half from now. And Disney says we've done, you know, based off of our calculations, uh, we're going to open up our park a theme park a week later, July 11th. Jim McPhee, the Senior Vice President of Operations at Walt Disney World, says, quote, We believe our reopening proposal for our property reflects a very thoughtful, methodical, and phased approach. We've incorporated all of the reopening protocols throughout our guest experience and our cast experience. Again, You know, everyone says we're being thoughtful and methodical, obviously, but it's pretty clear to me they have different thoughts. They have different methodical thoughts uh, than Blowing Rock does. And how do you know which is the better thought? Because I'm sure the thought right now isn't uh, that it will not be safe on the 4th of July and it will be safe on July 11th. You, You know... Blowing Rock really must be thinking, you know, this is still going to be around. We're not going to deal with this on July 4th. Disney is saying, you know, let's open back up. Now, I don't know about you, but I think there's going to be a lot more people at Disney World than there would be at a Blowing Rock 4th of July celebration. Especially in a lot closer quarters. SeaWorld Orlando also pitched its proposal for a gradual reopening during uh, the meeting with uh, Disney World. Hopes uh, of reopening its three Orlando parks on June 11th. 
That's a lot different than July 11th. That's June 11th. SeaWorld, June 11th. They're looking to reopen. Uh, This is from Fox News. It says, if Disney World and SeaWorld ultimately get the green light to begin gradually reopening their targeted dates, obviously this is subject to the governor and uh, their counties and their cities approving it. Uh, Visitors would have to heed new rules and other health safety measures in the fight against COVID-19. Guests, for example, guests ages 3 and up at Disney and ages 2 and up at SeaWorld, and employees would have to wear face masks of some sort and comply with temperature checks while abiding by new social distancing rules. Talk about a different theme park experience. Inside the park, frequent hand-washing will be encouraged for all, uh, and enhanced cleaning policies will be enforced throughout. Looking ahead, park operations at Disney uh, will also be uh, modified to better promote physical distancing. You do see these two uh, things a lot, social distancing and physical distancing, and no one ever says what the difference is, because uh, there's got to be a reason why they're using different words. Uh, so yeah, looking ahead, park operations at Disney... Uh, looking for modified, uh, will be modified to better promote physical distancing. Large group gatherings like parades and nighttime spectators and, quote, high-touch experiences, such as character meet and greets, makeovers, and playground activities, will return at a later date. As for park entry and accommodations, Disney is temporarily pausing the sales of new tickets and Disney Resort Hotel reservations uh, to focus on guests with existing tickets and reservations. Basically, you know the deal. If you want to go to Disney, you probably have to reserve hotel, food, your tickets way ahead of time. It's not like you just walk up to the date and be like, can you give me a ticket? They're a little too good for that. So there were were plenty of people that had reservations for days that... uh, they removed due to coronavirus, right? So the people have paid. They want to go. Uh, they're given the priority when this park reopens. Again, I would be kind of upset if I paid the full price to go to Disney World, have them cancel my trip because they're closed, and then when they partially reopen two parks and don't have parades and high-touch experiences. Uh, Sounds weird. Uh, You know, I still paid the full price for my ticket, so I wonder if Disney is going to compensate, right? Because you paid for the full park. Disney's not offering you back the full park. They're not offering you back the full experience. Uh, It also says annual pass holders and existing ticket holders will be allowed to place a reservation request in phases before the sales of new tickets uh, commence once again. So if you already bought a ticket, if you are a seasoned ticket holder and don't live in Florida, uh, then, uh, yeah, so you have preference over uh, the average Joe that doesn't have a ticket. In addition, this new uh, theme park reservation system is subject to attendance limitations and availability. Obviously, thank you, Disney. Again, this is a Fox News article. I'll post it with the podcast. Assuming the production computer doesn't die again today. Uh, Shanghai Disneyland, for example, was the uh, first of Disney's theme parks to reopen 
earlier in May, uh, with strict limits on the number of guests allowed inside, uh, mandatory masks, face masks, and temperature checks. Shanghai Disneyland. Opened in May. Uh, so, we're dealing with some things reopening, right? But uh, the big thing that caused grief, and the big thing that caused changes uh, to the average person was the government and celebrities, uh, you know, all these people saying, you know, stay inside, don't do anything, don't touch anything, don't touch your face, wash your hands all the time to the point where your hands constantly get cuts like mine. Uh, You know, the politicians told us this, the famous people told us this, so we did it, right? We didn't go to church, government said we can't do that. We don't need a restaurant until just recently. Government said that's not safe. Uh, we still went to the ABC store because that's essential. Uh, didn't get any haircuts. I still haven't gotten a haircut. But one of the really negative... You can say that those are negatives, right? But one of the really obviously negative things that happened was that people stopped going to the doctor with the fear that they might get the coronavirus if they leave the house. So in in our effort, our being the general people's effort, to stay safe and not hurt our health by getting the coronavirus, many people have hurt their health by not going to the doctor's office. And very recently, 600 physicians all signed a letter sent to the president, not necessarily mad at the president, but kind of telling our government, this is going to be a whole lot more than just preventing one certain virus. This is from Forbes. It says, more than 600 of the nation's physicians sent a letter to President Trump calling the coronavirus shutdown a, quote, mass casualty incident with, quote, exponentially growing negative health consequences to millions of non-COVID-19 patients. The letter said, quote, suicide hotline phone calls have increased 600 percent. 150,000 Americans per month who would have had a new cancer detected through routine screening have not gone to be tested. From missed cancer diagnosis to untreated heart attacks and strokes to increased risk of suicides, quote, we are alarmed at what appears to be a lack of consideration for the future health of our patients. Now, I've already talked before because there have been articles before. I mean, this kind of seems like it's stating the obvious. And one of the things I've talked before, you know, that got published before this was about a lot of people aren't getting vaccinated or they're not getting their children vaccinated. And we're probably going to see a rise in measles and mumps and chicken pox and all sorts of stuff in little kids. You know, measles was clinically labeled eradicated in the United States in the year 2000. And now it keeps making the news like every month for the past year. 
And that was before the coronavirus hit. That was just because of hipster non-vaxxers, anti-vaxxers, who screw over their children by not giving them uh, vaccines. Uh, You know, a very small part of the population. But now we're talking about a lot of people who have not been going to the doctor. A lot of people who have not been taking their child to the doctor. Whether it's vaccines, or it's heart attacks, or broken bones, unknown injury of some sort. That's why you go to the doctor to figure it out. This article from Forbes says, Patients fearful of visiting hospitals and doctor's offices are dying because of COVID phobia is keeping them from seeking care. The number of severe heart attacks being treated in nine U.S. hospitals surveyed dropped by nearly 40% since March. It is not safe to assume that heart attacks in this country have dropped by 40%. That is not how you look at this. There's no reason to conclude that. Yet, the number of heart attacks being treated has dropped by 40%. That means 40% of the people, in theory, 40% of the people getting heart attacks... Uh aren't getting treated like they normally would. A bunch of people who normally would say, yeah, this is a this is an ER-worthy situation. This is an ambulance-worthy situation. Are saying, no, I would rather feel like this and deal with whatever this is on my own than have the chance of getting a virus that might not affect me Including people who live in areas like Watauga County where there are like 12 cases out of 20,000 people. Want to support local talk radio? Email us at L-U-P-I-E radio at gmail.com. I'm Loopy. So they're calling, the doctors, the physicians are calling this COVID-phobia. And that's what they say are are keeping people from getting the proper health care. COVID-phobia. And yeah, you got to believe that that's real, COVID-phobia. I've seen so many people who, you see videos, you know, somebody minding their own business, is in a store, and God forbid they're not wearing a a face mask. God forbid they're not wearing a hazmat suit. And you see people get really, really angry. You see people get physically violent. I've seen videos of people hitting people in a store, hitting as in physically touching people in a store, that aren't wearing a face mask. Well, isn't the whole idea that you're not supposed to touch people? That doesn't really make, you know, whatever. COVID phobia. So this, this article, this not article, this uh, letter written to the president by 600 physicians, more than 600 physicians, talking about COVID phobia and the effects of that. I found this on Forbes. 
It says patients feel fearful of visiting hospitals and doctors' offices are dying because of because COVID phobia is keeping them from seeking care. The number of severe heart attacks being treated in nine U.S. hospitals surveyed dropped by nearly 40 percent since March. Cardiologists are worried that a second wave of deaths indirectly caused by the virus is likely. And that second wave of deaths would be things that are starting right now in people that are not getting treated because they're not going to get treatment. They're choosing to stay home because of COVID phobia. The physician's letter to the president focuses on the impacts on Americans' uh, physical and mental health. Uh, Here's a quote for it. It says, The millions of casualties of a continued shutdown will be hiding in plain sight, but they will be called alcoholism, homelessness, suicide, heart attack, stroke, or kidney failure. In youths, it will be called financial instability, unemployment, despair, drug addiction, unplanned pregnancies, poverty, and abuse. These physicians are saying a lot of things you could qualify as that in the next few months and even happening right now will be a direct result of the massive amounts of shutdowns that we've had. The massive amount of COVID phobia being spread by famous people. Uh, The new type of famous person is a social media influencer you better uh, better believe those people are spreading the COVID phobia. And politicians. The business owners want to get back to work. The people want to go to a restaurant. The people want to go to TJ Maxx and uh, Dick's Sporting Goods and, and go look and buy things in person. And when, the, when the internet came around and stores like Amazon and eBay started really becoming prominent, people were like, this is going to kill the you know, the brick-and-mortar store. Soon we're going to have none of them left. And I think times like this are evidence that that is absolutely not true. People want to physically go do things. Doing it on the internet is just not the same. For whatever reason. You know, there's something to be said about going and doing it yourself. You have these things, Postmates and DoorDash and Uber Eats, you know, delivering food to your house, A, in my opinion, financially irresponsible, but B, uh, you know, there's something to be said about if you're getting food from a restaurant, actually going and eating at the restaurant. There's something to be said about that. You know, people want to go to parks. People want to get out and do things. If if the government says you can't go to parks, you can't eat at restaurants, you can't shop at stores, not only is that going to have a financial repercussion for everybody, it's having a physical and mental repercussion. And for whatever reason, that seems to have been completely ignored by the world, it seems, except for Sweden. Uh, when it comes to how these countries have decided to respond to COVID-19. And I've said it ever since this has started. uh, We're not going to see a response like this again in our lifetime for any sort of pandemic. Is COVID-19 unprecedented? 
Unprecedented? Kinda. I mean, Spanish flu is much worse than this. But our response is certainly unprecedented, and there are plenty of things to take away and learn from. News Talk Radio. Loopy without banned substances. I'm Loopy. If so, the, these physicians, six hundred physicians, wrote a note, a letter. It was more than a note, a letter uh, to the president. In in sending it to the president, they're really sending it to all of the politicians, and that's why they chose the president. They could have sent it to tons of different people, but they're making a statement. They're making us focus on something that the politicians have not focused on at all. And that's the physical and mental reaction we're going to have to a massive government-forced shutdown. We've seen what happens uh, financially to a massive government-forced shutdown, right? We've seen that. And we've been seeing this whole time especially you might know someone where this circumstance is you know, amplified more than somebody else. But there is such a mental and physical side to the government telling us you can't do anything. Whether that's for a, for a good reason or a bad reason, you know, for, if for this circumstance it's because of a virus that we can't control, granted possibly a virus that was overhyped, that uh, thankfully didn't live up to its expectation as much as we uh, first thought it would. Again, COVID nineteen is still a it's still a big deal. You know, don't don't get me wrong on that. It's certainly worth still, you know, being diligent to to prevent. But now we're starting to really discover exactly what kind of toll it takes on the people, not just the financial side, but the people themselves. So the, the a summary of the note is on Forbes. I'm sure now if you just search 600 physicians, send a note to the president, you'll find it. Uh, it'll also be on loopyradio.com, L-U-P-I-E radio.com with the podcast. I'll be back next Tuesday.